game is never over till the end. Deshaun Lowe's right side. Whenever that clock strikes zero. Caught DeAndre Hopkins. Touchdown, Houston. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access presented by Daikin, keeping Houstonians comfortable with the latest cooling and heating products designed to save energy and improve indoor air quality inside your home. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer and learn more at DaikinLovesHouston.com. D-A-I-K-I-N LovesHouston.com. Daikin. Here's the show. Hello, Texans, and welcome in to the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. We are right across the hall from the locker room here at NRG Stadium, and I'm Mark Vandermeer. Tonight, it's Thursday. That means the general pays a visit, and it's our first time in, what, three weeks, John, because we had the Thursday night game, we had Thanksgiving, we were off, and here we are on again. Great to have you I've visiting. i you. Yeah, yeah, well, I've missed you. I mean, we haven't had a chance Merry to talk Christmas. some football in the air. Merry Christmas. Tis the season. My six-year-old's been saying it since October 15th, and that's just the way six-year-olds roll. And he decorated the whole tree by himself. So oh, all the ornaments take are Take a in, picture and put it tweet. <laughs> they're all in one little section, <laughs> the lower left third, because that's what he can reach. That is so And he cute. just took control of the whole situation. He demanded I put up the tree before Thanksgiving. I had, you know, we all had to just obey his words. All right, so anyway, here we are in the season, and it's an exciting time of the football season with four games to go in the regular season. But it all starts Sunday with the Denver Broncos and a follow-up to the performance against the Patriots. Of course, all the players, coaches, everybody asked about the letdown effect here i don't really see it happening but you never know john denver is a better team than you think like bill o'brien said you put on the tape it's a pretty good defense they should be ready but who knows what do you think bah humbug they got a rookie quarterback <laughs> making his second start romeo cornell is 11 and 1 against rookie quarterbacks with the texans 2 and 0 this year with the mustache and then only loss with jacoby Brissett in that primetime game at new england but something mm-hmm. they have to be aware of, the last eight games the Patriots have played that they have won, mm-hmm. the next week the team that beat them is 1-7. All right, so the last eight opponents to beat the Patriots, they're 1-7 combined the week after. And the only win during that period was Baltimore this season. Yikes! That's a heck of a stat right there, and I think it's going to be two and nine after, or two and eight after this it year. Sure, certainly this should be. I, you know, I thought the Texans were beyond the Baltimore performance. Now I think they're beyond a performance where they uh, have a letdown. I just don't think so. Not with Deshaun Watson. That's the whole key. Does your quarterback have the ability to carry you through the game? And I really thought, John, and we haven't even talked since before the Colts game. The Colts game, you enter the fourth quarter down, and you absolutely have to have a drive. You have to have stops, and they got it all done in the fourth quarter. Watson was terrific in crunch time in that game and made sure his team won. I thought that was a quarterback game. I think they're all quarterback games down the stretch here. You have to make sure you come out on top, that you get the lead. Your defense might falter. I don't think this one will, but he's going to make sure that they lead at the moments of truth. This offense should be prolific. Every player's healthy other than Titus Howard who had knee surgery. But you saw it. Mark, Chris Clark, and Roderick Johnson did a really good job against the defense. It was fourth in the league in sacks. Watson was sacked three times but only knocked down four compared to Brady sacked three and knocked down 12. But with Darren Fells and Jordan Akins, 
DeAndre Hopkins, Kitty Stills, and a healthy Will Fuller, and Duke Johnson catching the ball out of the backfield. I felt like they could have thrown to Duke 20 times, and they didn't have a linebacker, not Kyle Van Noy, and not Jamie Collins who could cover him. Mm -hmm. So this offense should be prolific against everybody. And it just did it against the best defense in the NFL. What surprised me the most, the pressure they got on Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. He was frustrated. I think a lot of the the screaming at his receivers is because he was frustrated at being hit by two guys, DJ Reader and Jacob Martin, combined for seven knockdowns. I think he was very frustrated. And and they knew the game was much more decisive than the final score. So the job Romeo Cornell did in that game, to me, is what stood out in the way the defensive players executed an excellent game plan. Tom Brady just didn't look like himself. I mean, I'm watching Tom Brady operate here, and it just doesn't seem like Tom Brady. And I know the receivers have so much to do with it. Here he is, 42 years old, 20 years into his career. Are we looking at the last days of Tom Brady? That's what they said last year when they lost at Tennessee and they lost at Detroit and they didn't get home field advantage and they won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. If you remember the end of that game, people go, oh, boy, he threw 326 yards, two touchdowns in the last two series. James White did all the work. He threw short passes to White, who they couldn't cover. You wonder why they didn't do that a whole lot earlier. Plus, they were playing a different kind of coverage to not give up the big play and the easy touchdown. But, uh, yes, Brady looked off target, but he had Dorsett. He had Edelman, and yeah, he had two rookies and Myers and to kill Harry. What he missed the most, Gronk. Yeah. Not having him running routes in the middle of the field, down the field, not having him a great run blocker. To me, that affects that offense more than anything involving inexperienced receivers. Well, John, why did they get caught in this situation? Did they think Gronk was going to come back? And it's not like Gronk retired in September. Gronk retired at the beginning of the offseason. Maybe they thought he was going to come back at some point, but there are a lot of things they could have done. I'm looking at Ryan Griffith out there at the on the open market. The Jets picked him up. And the Jets love him and gave him a new contract. I think he could help the Patriots. Of course, I just, thought he would go there so he could go back home. Yeah, and they know that he knows the system, so I figured maybe that would be a good signing. I know that it's not like pro bowlers galore are available on the open market, especially around that time of year or any time of year past free agency, that first wave. But I'm surprised they didn't do a little bit more to help out Tom Brady, and I'm all for it. However, as we say, what's wrong with the Patriots? Here they are at 10-2, and two, John, and tied with the Baltimore Ravens, and it's really hot and heavy right now in the AFC. A lot of exciting possibilities down the stretch. Nobody wants to go to Foxborough in January. Mm-hmm. I believe the Texans are headed to either Baltimore or Foxborough in the division round of the playoffs. And, of course, it's going to be really difficult to uh, win at either of those spots. But they had Dwayne Allen. They cut him. Ben Watson was suspended. Now he's the starter, and he's 38 years old. You know a priority for them in the offseason will be a tight end. They got Gronk in the second round, and uh, the same year they drafted Hernandez in the fourth round. So they targeted tight ends. They're going to have to do that in this draft. Okay, so the Texans defense, you mentioned it. DJ Reader really having a Pro Bowl-type campaign. Do you think he makes it this year? He's had he had his greatest game on national TV against the Patriots on Sunday night when players not on road trips saw it. On Thursday night, he had a really good game. 
What is amazing about the last one, he well, I went back and watched it. He got a lot of attention. No sacks, but seven tackles and four knockdowns, and he did it all up the middle, mm-hmm. most of the time beating double teams. So he got some good pub from Chris Collinsworth. Hopefully that will help him. You know, the players, the coaches, and the fans vote. I never trust the fans and don't really trust the players. But the coaches, you would think, would get it right. He deserves it. Zach Cunningham deserves it. Jacob Martin, where do you think this goes from here? He's making a lot, a lot of noise right now. I go back to after they made that trade, I got in touch with Matt Rule, the Baylor coach who coached him at Temple, and I wrote a story about it. Matt talked about how hard he worked, what a great guy he was, how incredibly quick he was, and he said until he's – learns a system, is ready to play, he will be search and destroy on special teams. And everything he said has been true. Remember last year, his last five games with the Seahawks, he had three sacks. Texans targeted him because they liked him coming off the edge. And so now he has two and a half in the last two games, and he's a half behind Jadeveon Clowney. I hear people acting like Clowney's having a great season because he had a great game on national TV. If you go back and look at every one of his games and his stats, whether it's solos, assists, tackles for losses, passes, knocked down, uh, everything, hits, everything, he's not having a great season in a contract year. I thought he would been he missed the previous game, but he's going to be one and done in Seattle because he's going to get money. But uh, Jacob, what kind of money do you think? I think he'll get over a hundred million dollars, which is what he wanted here. And Bill O'Brien was never going to keep him. They wanted to sign the tender, go to Miami, and the Laramie Tunsil trade. Uh-huh. They always they had targeted Tunsil, and so they didn't want to give up two ones and a two. But you got to do what you, if you want somebody, you got to do what it takes. And then they got Kenny Stills put in there. And uh, but I think Jacob Martin. That speed he has, there was a play where he came off the edge. He beat Marcus Cannon. He got a hand on Brady who stepped away from it. And then he threw a pass off into the flat and the right, and Martin kept going full speed and didn't make the tackle but got right there. Coaches eat that up. He's going to play more and more and because he deserves it. Well, this is really good because you get Brennan Scarlett back eventually. Let's hope it's this week. And then you have Martin, Scarlett, Whitney. Now you have some pass-rushing assets. It gets a little thicker, a little deeper because of Martin's development. And, and Scarlett really coming out strong before he got banged up. And many who has been able to get some mm-hmm. pressure on him. None of those guys is a real good pass rusher. DJ coming up the middle uh, is a, is collapses the pocket. But the guy who has the chance to be really good, I'm not saying this year, Jacob Martin, because he has – he has blinding speed off the edge, and the more he learns how to use it with John Pagano and Anthony Weaver and Romeo Cornell coaching him, that is a tr- he's going to be, I think, terrific. And people are going to look back on that trade and say, okay, you got this pass rusher. You got Gary and Conley out of it. Yep. And, uh, you know, Barkevius Mingo is a backup special teams player. But people are going to look on that, especially when Seattle has him for one year. They're going to look back and say, well, that wasn't such a bad deal. Old Trader Bill pulled off. And I wanted to say one thing while it just popped in my mind. The way Anthony Midget, you know, the position coaches don't get a lot of attention mm-hmm. because of the coordinator, especially Romeo, so well-known. But you think about, and I wrote about this two days ago, with all the injuries in the secondary, and uh, one, remember that game Armstrong crossing where 
Crossing and Armstrong with the second and third corners. Yeah. I can't remember who the other one was. So many are out. And they're bringing these guys in. Conley from Oakland, Hargraves, even Roby. None of their teams wanted them. And Midget coaches them on a daily daily basis. And then Romeo Cornell has to make sure they're deployed right. And they have – they Midget, I think, does a terrific job. And he's showing it. Yeah, Hargraves is making plays. You mentioned Conley, and uh, for those listening, thinking, well, they got Conley in that Seattle deal. Well, they got the pick from Seattle that they used to trade to Oakland for Conley, and that's how that gets put together. And you know one more thing. I hear people tell me all the time how they've mortgaged the future, and I said, in this draft, yes, they won't have their number one pick. But if it all it comes up the way it should, based on compensatory picks, they're going to have nine draft choices. They're going to have their own two. Mm-hmm. They'll get a compensatory three for Matthew. That'll go to Cleveland for Duke Johnson. They'll have their two. And uh, and then they might, just might end up with a three for Kareem Jackson if he keeps playing well and based on his contract and everything that goes into that formula, if not a four. So they're going to have nine picks. It's the next year, 2021, when they don't have the one and the two, uh-huh. like two years ago when they got Justin Reed and uh, uh, Jordan Akins and Kiki QT and and uh, Callum Bailly and Duke Ejiofor, that's the kind of draft they need to have in 2021. It doesn't mean you've mortgaged your future. All right, some thoughts on the Broncos here, John, as they're not having a good year record-wise. That's the truth. But they have been in a lot of games here. I was looking at this. You're leading Minnesota something like 23-7 to going into the fourth quarter. You're leading Jacksonville. You're leading Carolina. Well, not Carolina. There was another one that they uh, they had the late lead over and were unable to close the deal. So they've had a bunch of games like that this year, and it just hasn't worked out for them. They could easily have two or three more wins. A lot of people are wondering if the Texans visits a trap game before that first Titans game. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, if it is, Brandon McManus will beat him with a field goal considering what happened last year in Denver when he lined up to win what we all thought he was going to make, and he didn't. I think Texans going to win this game big. Mm-hmm. I think Romeo, 11-1 and against rookie quarterbacks, going to have a great plan for Drew Locke uh, there. The run defense, and I wrote about this in one of my takeaways I do every day on Texas Sports Nation about how much other teams are running on them the last three games and how they've gone from like third to yeah. 17th. But you know what? They've won two of those three, too. Right. And so they shut down Philip Lindsay, great rookie running back last year. I think they'll do a good job. Something to keep an eye on about Denver. Denver just played the Chargers, won 23 20 on a controversial ending. But Drew Locke, a rookie quarterback, wasn't sacked. He wasn't even knocked down. Mike Munchak, the greatest offensive line coach in the NFL, along with New England's Dante (laughs) Carnecchia, has done a tremendous job with the Broncos' offensive line. They've invested some picks in there and some money. He's a great coach. That's kind of scary that the Chargers, with Bosa and Ingram and some others, didn't even hit him. And there's no Bosa and Ingram here. So if he did it against Brady, Locke's more mobile than Brady, but I'm assuming they're going to muster a pass rush somehow. If they didn't, then that could be scary. John, the uh, team I was thinking of was the Chicago Bears. The Bears rallied late to beat the Denver Broncos mile high, and then they had it done by the Jaguars again. So uh, it's just one of those deals where – they are in a lot of games, losing a lot of close games, and they are not to be trifled with 
like you said. You know, Fangio is an NFL head coach. It's kind of interesting. I, I kind of like his press conferences because they seem rather candid, really, for an he, NFL head he coach. He was funny yesterday talking on the conference call about his time here. Now he decided, hey, uh, no more expansion teams for me. And talking about that great defensive performance and the victory over Pittsburgh, which I still think is the fewest yards in NFL history in a win. And, of course, you were there and you called it. And mm-hmm. uh, But Vic's a great defensive coach. Uh, he's had issues and with injuries. He's had issues with quarterback. You know, Flacco didn't work out, and then Locke was hurt all year. Brandon Allen didn't work out, and they've had a lot of problems at that position. You know, just like the Texans have come from behind a lot to win, that that's good because they know they can. But when a team blows leads and loses games, is that bad because they know they can and might? Mm. John McClain stays with us. Opening segment, one gigantic hot read presented by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Let's go around the league. Let's talk about the Patriots and the Chiefs meeting up. All the AFC action, the landscape in the conference. How's it going down? What's likely to happen in these last four weeks? And then we'll play more likely to happen with John Harris in segment three. It's all coming up on Texans All Access. Having fun on a Thursday evening before the Bears and Cowboys get together in the Thursday night tilt. Mark Vandermeer here with John McClain. John Harris joins us in the next segment. And we're going around the league here. John, we were mentioning the Patriots and their situation. Well, their situation this weekend is the Kansas City Chiefs in Foxborough. What do you think here? Who do you got? Patriots are going. You'd think the Chiefs want to get revenge for losing the AFC Championship game at home in overtime. Chiefs are coming off of a very impressive victory over the Raiders, who have been outscored like 74-9 to What's going on? The they, jet game and then this. It looks like they just quit. But now they're saying Derek Carr is going to be out and Gruden's going to want a new quarterback. But uh, I think the Patriots, I never pick against them at home, ever. And especially in the in the fall and winter. But I think they'll bounce back and win. Their defense, you know, did Deshaun Watson and the receivers expose something? I thought Bill O'Brien had a great game calling plays. And I'm not talking about a trick play. I'm talking about like the Darryl, Darren Fells call, the Duke Johnson call. And he gives Watson options. We never know for sure what's called mm-hmm. and what is an option that uh, Watson has taken advantage of. But uh, maybe the Chiefs now. You know, they're like the Texans. They've thrown more 30-yard plays than anybody in the league. Texans are second, and they want to throw the ball down the field. But the most impressive stat in that game was the Patriots had given up nine defensive touchdowns in 11 games, four passing. Texans had four passing. So did they expose something, or the Chiefs and Mahomes can exploit? I'm taking the Patriots because I think they're going to bounce back. I think they're going to play. at Baltimore's going to get home field advantage and New England may have to go through Baltimore to get the Super Bowl again. Or maybe not. Maybe they don't get that far, John. And you just brought it up. I mean, the Patriots were really good against the run with the Texans, but the Chiefs, they can move the ball without running it for sure. We'll see how that goes. All right, some other games. Let's just go to tonight here because Dallas is drama, and we've got the Jason Garrett situation going on. And we've got the Bears at home with Mitchell Trubisky, who will forever be compared to Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. What do you think this evening? I believe that uh, the Bears being at home, I would like, I just, I'd love to see them beat the Cowboys. 
But I just think the Cowboys have too much talent, especially on offense. They're not utilizing it very well. Everybody's giving Jason Garrett a hard time, but Kellen Moore is calling the plays. Maybe Garrett needs to take it over, but I think the Cowboys will win in Chicago. Okay, and what about the future of that franchise as far as the head coaching position goes? Oh, I think that uh, Jerry Jones is going to go after Lincoln Riley, and I don't know if Lincoln Riley will leave Oklahoma if he wants to coach in the NFL. might be a good time to do it. Um, also, there's talk Vegas has put Urban Meyer as the favorite to go to the Cowboys. I don't know why he would want Urban Meyer. And Meyer's got that kind of personality I don't think would mesh with Jerry Jones. Mm. I think that it can't be a coach who was fired like Ron Rivera. The fans and the media, they want new blood like O'Reilly or even a Meyer. But uh, uh, I think Meyer's plans were screwed up when they decided to keep Clay Elton at USC. But he can keep doing TV for Fox and uh, still have a shot next year. But I'm guessing he's going to go after not Chris Richard, his secondary coach who calls the defense, but some hot offensive guy so he can get the best out of his out of Prescott and Elliott and uh, his receivers. Give me a landing spot or two for Ron Rivera. Uh, I think Ron Rivera and Mike McCarthy will be veteran coaches who are coming back. I could see Rivera going somewhere like New York. Giants. The Giants, yes, and because uh, I've never thought Pat Shermer was a good coach. I can't imagine Rivera would be so desperate to go to Washington. To me, only mm-hmm. a coach who is desperate, and that's either a young guy who doesn't have another chance or an old guy who has nobody else interested in him. Nobody in their right mind would go to Washington. What about Atlanta for Ron Rivera? I know it's in the division, but Adam it Gase just did. It would be kind of the same thing yeah. with Dan Quinn's out. And Dan Quinn, uh, like Ron Rivera, went to the Super Bowl and lost, mm. and lost a tough one. Would would uh, Carolina be interested in Dan Quinn? No. I think a lot of people don't want a coach who's just been fired, but I think Quinn and Rivera are both going to be head coaches again. I just feel like Rivera – I know it. it's not like he's won multiple Super Bowls. He hasn't won any, but he went to one. But I just feel like there's more juice there and that somebody's going to be excited about having more him. More on Rivera than Quinn. Than Quinn. Yeah, I just have that feeling. Uh, but we'll see how it goes. Because Atlanta has built-in offense here that – and I know they had Cam Newton and everything, but you always felt like you had to make that thing work. And when you, Mark, when you get rid of a defensive coach, you're not hiring another defensive coach. Yeah, you're hiring true. an offensive yeah, coach. Very, very well put. Okay, let's keep going here with what's going on around the National Football League this weekend. And the Titans are going to be at the Raiders, a game of great interest to the Houston Texans. So what do you think here? Do the Raiders bounce back? This is their last hurrah, really. They lose this one, and it's all over. And the Titans obviously want to keep pace with the Texans a game back. Titans 5-1 and one with Ryan Tannehill. In the last three, they're averaging 36 points a game. In those other six games he started, they're averaging 29-6. Derrick Henry's averaging 150-yard game a rushing over the last three games. I think they are going to steamroll the Raiders to tune up for the Texans. Steamroll the Raiders? Flatten them like a roller out there on the August asphalt on I-10. All right, so you're really impressed with what they've been able to do lately. His rating has been 125. This would be, mm. four, I think he'd be the second quarterback in history to have 125 four games in a row. I think Gil Brandt tweeted that. And uh, he's playing for a new contract. They're going to sign him to a long-term deal, I fully believe. Well, well, no matter what happens this weekend, next weekend is 
absolutely huge as you go back in the division and take on the Titans. And this is what Texans-Titan games should be. They should have a lot on the line, and the schedule makers are looking like geniuses all of a sudden that these two teams are vying for the title down the stretch. I think it's going to come down to the last game here. The winner's going to win the title, and the de- the loser's going to be a wild card. And the loser's going to play again. It's going to be three games in four weeks. Can you ever remember that happening? Uh, did Miami and the Jets ever pull something like that? I'm not sure. I don't sure. know. Okay. I don't know. But I'd have to look that if up. If it happens, we'll know. But it would just be so weird to see NFL teams play three times in four weeks. Or a Dallas-Washington or something like that. Yeah, I, look, I don't even think it's right to schedule an opponent two weeks apart like the Texans and the Titans have to get together. Oh, and they didn't like it. Vrabel didn't like it. John Robinson, the Texans didn't like it. Yeah. Now the fans and media love it. All right, so the Colts are at the Buccaneers trying to hang Buccaneers. In Colts really? get back Marlon Mack. Mm-hmm. Uh, they signed uh, the kicker who was cut from Houston who was cut by the 49ers, McLaughlin. Chase, his yeah. name, Chase McLaughlin, because Vinatieri's hurt. What a way for Adam Vinatieri to go out. Yeah. On his way to Canton, and I think Tampa, which is a prolific offense, but Winston has more turnovers than he any in the league, and it's going to be tough covering Mike Edwins and and uh, is it Godwin or Good Goodwin, the other receiver, Chris Godwin, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Tampa's going to win that game. I think the Bucks are going to finish strong and probably keep Jameis Winston while Marcus Mariota will be looking for a new address. Interesting. Texans have a big one at Tampa Bay on a Saturday right before Christmas. Okay, I like this one: the Ravens at the Bills. What do you think here? Are the Bills going to be able to get it done in Western New York? The Bills have beaten one team with a winning record, and it's the Cowboys, and right Uh, now they're mediocre. uh, So I think Baltimore's defense will do a great job against Josh Allen. I think Buffalo's defense will do well against Lamar Jackson. He won't put 30 or 40 on, but I'm not picking against the Ravens. And Jackson, again, he's going to be the MVP. All right, so you don't think there's any doubt about that. What about Russell Wilson sneaking into the equation? By the way, they're at the Rams on Sunday. Your thoughts on that one well, and I'm the going Wilson with MVP. Seattle and Russell Wilson, even though the Rams bounce back in a big way. But keep this in mind. What's more important than head-to-head? If it's close, head-to-head. The Ravens went to Seattle and won. And to me, Russell yeah. Wilson is great. But he and he, yes, he uses his legs some. Mm-hmm. But Jackson's doing things with his legs no quarterback's ever done. He leads the league in touchdown passes. He's got a great rating. Lamar Jackson, like uh, Patrick Mahomes, going to be MVP in his second year. I can't believe this one wouldn't get flexed. But I guess if you have the Giants and Eagles, actually no, it's Seahawks and Rams. That's a pretty good game. On Sunday night, but the 49ers at the Saints, I think, is a really nice one on the marquee. Poor old 49ers, they've lost by three to the Seahawks, by three to the Ravens, and now they go to New Orleans. Their schedule is just brutal, and they end the season in Seattle. And so Oof. they could end up with four or five losses, but uh, I'm not, I never, never pick against the Saints at home. Mm-hmm. They're too good all these decades, and I'm not picking that. It wouldn't surprise me if the 49ers win, but I'm going with the Saints. Very good. John, what do you have going out of the Chronicle? Uh, Aaron Wilson is writing Sunday about Bradley Roby going against his former team and what a great game he had against the Patriots. I'm writing about, uh, for Friday, Romeo Cornell's uh, record against rookie quarterbacks, and I wrote today about Deshaun Watson is running less lately, mm-hmm. and he's throwing more and getting better results. And one reason is 
He's getting better protections, comfortable in the pocket, but also he's got so many receivers to choose from. It's going to be a fun Sunday, and I got three words to end this with, Mark. Sick, um, Bears. Yes, go get them, Baylor. We talked to you about that on Monday, and uh, looking forward to watching that one. John McClain from the Houston Chronicle joining us. All right, if the Texans score two or more touchdowns, and they did that in the last couple of games, head to your closest jack-in-the-box the next day for your free Texans jumbo jack with a large drink purchase next up john harris let's do more likely to happen mvp talk afc talk afc south talk it's all happening here on texans radio we're just hanging out here in the hyundai texans radio studio mark vandermeer join now with my good buddy john harris johnny here we go game weekend everybody's fired up i'm really excited about this one look Everybody's talking about letdown. Not everybody. Outside the building, they are. These players are yep. fully focused. You know, when I say everybody, I don't mean them. Right. I mean you guys listening. Right. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I think that they're fully pumped up for this thing, like I am. Well, I think we all are to see this team at home. What can they do building off of that? I, you want is, more. Well, yeah, there's there's no question. And I, I just wonder if kind of having a, a breakthrough win like that against that sort of team – is a, sort of a lesson to these guys as if to say, you are that good. Mm-hmm. Now go take care of your business against a team that isn't that good. Well, because you know who does take care of business like that traditionally? But the team you just beat. The team you just beat. Because they get everybody's best game every week. No doubt. And they every know week. it. I mean, every week. It's like, you know who else is used to that? The Cowboys. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not really rising to the occasion on a regular basis this since, year, yeah. I don't know, the mid-90s, really. Uh, <laughs> having yeah. that sort of... Thing happened, that dynamic happened in opposing stadiums, but uh, it, it it is a fact. All right, let's get to this now because we have a lot of them to get to. More likely to happen. More likely to happen. Yes, more likely to happen. MVP winner, Lamar Jackson or the field? More likely to happen. I have a lot of field questions this week. So is it Lamar Jackson? You can pick him or you can pick anybody else in a group. I, happen. I do think Baltimore's schedule down the stretch is not excessively easy, but it is Buffalo. Uh, that game is this weekend. Western New York, baby. Then it's Jets, Browns, Steelers. I really don't see a team that can slow him down. So even if the Bills, say the Bills win, yeah, and it's it is. You're right. It's Western New York. It can it can be trouble, but. I just don't see any of those final four teams slowing him down to a point where it erases what he's done, especially in November. So I think Lamar is the MVP. He's such a heavy favorite right now. You, you all, It's almost his, and he's going to have to cough it up and give it back to somebody, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think it is his, and I think Sean Watson will definitely get some run for that. He's got a few games down the stretch that people will be pay, paying attention to, the Titans game in particular. And um, I think that Lamar, though, has this thing. I think he's got it wrapped up. Okay. I think it's wrapped up. All right. We'll see how it goes. How about this one? More likely to happen. More likely to win this weekend, the Patriots or the Ravens? Ravens in Buffalo. Patriots are home to the Chiefs. Mm. So you got the Patriots coming off a loss, desperate for a victory to keep pace with the Ravens, hoping they lose. And the Buffalo defense is no joke, and I think Josh Allen is playing a whole lot better. And this game, as far as quarterbacks who run a lot, combined yardage heading in, it's the most ever in an NFL matchup of opposing quarterbacks in rushing yardage combined in the history of the league. That's kind of clunky, but you get my drift. 
I'm I'm going with favorites in both of them. I think the I think the Patriots will I think the Patriots will bounce back at home. I know it's okay. the Chiefs and I know the Chiefs are are healthy offensively. But the Patriots have seen that group before. Mm-hmm. Now, the the Chiefs defense has gotten better. Now, trust me, I want the Patriots to lose. You do. Sean, Sean Pendergast put it best. He's like, it's kind of a win-win because if the Chiefs lose, then they fall to five losses and it just widens the gap between the, the three, three and the four seed. Yeah, but I, I want to go for the big prize. But I'm with you. I do too. So I want I want the Patriots to get knocked I off. I mean, go Chiefs. Because if you lose, you know, if you yeah, lose a couple Chiefs, down the sure. stretch, and then where are you really going? You know, you right. you really want to play well, like you said. You want to prove that not that you are worthy necessarily right. of beating the Pats, but that you you're able to build on it. Um, and you want the Patriots to get inflicted with some damage here, no doubt. So you can somehow take over that spot for a bye. But I just think the favorites win. I think the Patriots will bounce back at home. Gillette's the best security blanket any team can have. They just love playing up there. And the Chiefs won up there in 17, but they played a close game in 18 with a 43-40 to kind of game. So the Chiefs have played well up there. But I think the Patriots will win. I just think the Ravens right now, their groove, if they get halfway decent weather, at least not rainy or snowy. I think Lamar will do what he wants to. Here's the thing. The Patriots can't stop the Chiefs. I don't think they can. I they can slow right. them down. No, I think you're right. And I think the Patriots are going to have legit problems scoring. I just do. I do too. But Even at home. Up there, I just, uh, I know. I just they, don't They find so. a way to put it together. I, I just would go, with the, I would go with Chuck in both of those. Okay, next one. More likely to happen. More likely to be the head coach in Dallas in Ooh. 2020, Lincoln Riley or the field. Lincoln Riley or anybody else. Well, here's an interesting dynamic in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen Jones, the son of Jerry Jones, who is kind of Jerry's you know, right-hand man, kind of does all the personnel stuff. I mean, Stephen's he is the Jones most most involved. That's not Jerry. Right. Stephen's son, John Stephen Jones, was the quarterback at Highland Park. Yeah. And Lincoln tried to recruit him to go to Oklahoma. Ooh. And so Lincoln's got a relationship with the Jones family already mm-hmm. based on the recruiting he had to do. Now, John Paul Jones ended up going to Arkansas, following the footsteps of of Grandpa Jerry Jones, who went to Arkansas and played at Arkansas. So he ended up at Arkansas. and But the, but Lincoln had that relationship with the Jones family. So I, th- I would think the Jones family will do whatever possible to get Lincoln to Dallas. And I think here's – I, the way I look at Dallas is that the coach that's got to take that job has got to be one of those that just says, you know what, I just just let me coach, man. Just let me let me call my ball plays. Let me do that sort of thing. I know Jerry's going to pick the players. He's going to give me good players. They're going to be fine. Will McClay, who works on a Jerry, they're going to give me good players. I don't worry about that. Just let me coach my ball plays. And I don't know if Lincoln is that guy yet or not. I think he's kind of too too young in his evolution as a coach. But I think when you're a college coach – and you're running everything, I think it's very difficult to step back and go, okay, just coach. Everything else is handled. Like, But wait, I want my – no, no, no. Everything else is handled. Like, It sounds great, but I don't think it is. So I'm going to go with the field. Boy, you just get the feeling Jerry knows this very well, how his model might not be popular with a lot of prime candidates. So I think, I think that's the problem that they're running into mm-hmm. because – I, my guess is that people know that job is open, but then it is. Now, I think, you know, here's one for you. Washington's going to be open, and Dallas is going to be open. 
Which job, if you're a hot young coach, which job would you want to have, Dallas or Washington? I mean, unless they're going to fire Bruce Allen and I get total control over everything in my contract, I get to pick everything. I'm but going to the Dallas. Owner. You don't pick the owner. Yeah, but if I have a contract that's ironclad that I have final say over personnel and all of it, yeah. then I'll go ahead and take that Washington job as opposed to getting my players picked for me, although the Dallas roster next year should be pretty darn good as well. But you know as well as anybody that Bruce Allen is staying. So Bruce Allen stays. Weren't there some murmurs? There were murmurs. Murmur. There were murmurs, but I don't Mm. think it's going to happen. I just think those are two very interesting jobs from that standpoint because you are not going to have the, the personnel say that a lot of head coaches end up having or wanting to have. So I'm going to go with the field on that. I don't think Lincoln Riley ends up okay. in Dallas. I think that's a good pick right there. All right, next one. More likely to happen. All right, more likely to happen. The quarterback for the Tennessee Titans in 2020. Oh, Ryan Ooh. Tannehill or the field. Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, this Tennessee schedule down the stretch, if Ryan Tannehill does what he's been doing down the stretch, yeah, Raiders – Texans, Saints, Texans. Let's yep. just let's let's say Tannehill goes three and one, right? Three and one. A, that probably gets him in the playoffs, regardless of what we do, et cetera, yeah. Colts or whatever. Three and one gets them in the playoffs at ten and six. That would then have been, I think, six out of seven down the stretch for Tannehill. If I my math more. is correct, maybe more than that. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, sorry, seven uh, out of eight. So I think it would be like eight out of ten oh, down okay. the stretch if that's the case. So oh, yeah, yeah, because you have the one loss. That's that's pretty salty, mm-hmm. and I think that would be really, really difficult for Mike Vrabel and that staff to go. Whew. Now, if I'm them, I'm probably looking for I'm looking for my escape plan, and that is, do I go get a seasoned veteran to back him up? You know, kind of a. I don't know, a Josh McCown type or somebody at that point. To or, back up Tannehill? Or do I go get a young guy? Do I draft a guy? Maybe you draft not, a young guy. Maybe not in the first round, but I'll answer that in the for second them. round. I don't even have to talk to them. Here's go. my fear. Here's my fear. What? You know, my fear. What's your fear? Is that Tennessee's like, okay, you know what? We do want to draft the quarterback early, but we're going to wait, and we're going to trade out of our first-round pick. And we're going to trade to the early second round, and then all of a sudden somehow Jordan Love – from Utah State is sitting there, and they draft Jordan Love. I will, I will break everything in this studio if that happens. Oh, this is like Lamar Jackson possibly falling to the Jags, and he did, but they didn't take him. Now, Jordan Love is not as dynamic as Lamar Jackson as a runner. But he's got a prospect. But as a thrower? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That's uh, the kind of guy I do not want to see in Tennessee. All right, you got 30 seconds for this one. Okay. Matt Rule, place of employment in 2012. Baylor or any other college or the National Football League? Oh. Kind of is he going to the or, NFL or, or staying at Baylor or staying in college? See, I made it tough. I think he's going to end up in the NFL. I, I wouldn't be. He's going to end up in the NFL. Okay, hate to say it, John McClain, but he's going to end up in the NFL. I don't like that at all. There are going to be enough jobs open, and he's dabbled in the NFL enough. I think he's going to get what he wants in the NFL and take it. Johnny, thanks a lot. Yeah, Mark, thank you. Hey, calling all Houston area teachers. If you want to bring a little Texans football to the classroom, sign up for Toro's Math Drills presented by Conoco Phillips. A video series designed to help third and fourth graders how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. I'm all for that, man. I'm trying to teach my first grader. Actually, I'm not really trying very hard. 
He's learning it in school. I'm just trying to get him to do the homework. Homework for first graders. My goodness. Okay, let's get to this now. Houston Methodist Minutes. And today's injury, rotator cuff problems. My stepmom has one. She just had surgery. I want to get Dr. Mark LeBay in here. And Good evening, doctor. Tell me what happens with an athlete when they get the rotator cuff injured. In an athlete, often you see it in overhead activities, so throwers, uh, NFL quarterbacks, uh, pitchers. Um, actually, you also see it in volleyball players and swimmers. A lot of overhead activity puts a lot of strain on those muscles and tendons, and because of some of the poor blood flow that can occur there, you develop small tears that can get bigger over time. All right, so what is exactly happening technically, in layman's terms if you could, when a rotator cuff injury occurs? So what the rotator cuff is, is really a group of four muscles. Um, We think of the shoulder as a ball and socket joint, and the socket of the shoulder is really shallow. So in order for the ball to track properly, the rotator cuff is four muscles that reach around the socket and kind of hold on to the ball part. So the way a muscle attaches to a bone is with a tendon. So when the tendons start to tear because of stress and strain and poor blood flow, that's what a rotator cuff tear injury is. It's injury to those tendons. Uh, tearing away of the tendons from the bone. All right, so my stepmother had rotator cuff surgery recently. How would she get an injury like this? Because she's not exactly an Olympian swimmer or anything like that. Yeah, actually, the majority of the rotator cuff tears that we see are degenerative. So in areas where there's poor blood flow uh, in the tendon, it can start to wear and tear and just tear on its own over time. So that, um, you know, the majority of tears that we see happen in patients a lot like your stepmother where There's no known injury. They just start to have pain with activity, and then they come in and, you know, you you find a rotator cuff tear on your exam and on your MRI. What's the best way to prevent rotator cuff injuries? The best way to do that is honestly exercise. You want to keep the muscles strong. You want to keep blood flowing to them. So a specific uh, series of exercises, often done with rubber bands, stuff you can do at home or in the gym, uh, helps keep those muscles strong and the blood flowing. It helps prevent that, especially in throwing athletes. Doctor, thanks so much for the information. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Dr. Mark LeBay of Houston Methodist, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans. For more information about Houston Methodist or to find a physician, visit HoustonMethodist.org or call 713-790-3333, Houston Methodist, leading medicine. All right, are we having fun yet? Yes, we are. Eight and four, the record, coming off the win against the Patriots with the Denver Broncos coming up on Sunday And then, I don't want to get into the final few games here. I know there's been a lot of talk about that this week. It's hard to avoid for us, and the players obviously have avoided it. As Bill O'Brien says, all you have to do is turn on the tape. And speaking of turning on the tape, go check out all our videos on the Texans app. Download that baby and play the Texans Pick'em games. My gosh, you can win great stuff. And also, check out all the videos. Our video crew is second to none And Texans Extra Points on ABC 13 Saturday night after the game, after the news, and Texans Buzz right after that. Hey, it's great to have you listening, as always, to Texans Radio. Check out this one on a podcast on the app or wherever fine podcasts are available. Thank you very much for spending some time with us tonight. Have a great evening, and go Texans!